0: What you're talking about just kind of goes back to being present in the moment. I'm always trying to be more present now. With that comes an appreciation of the time you have now. Because it is finite, right? Your time with people is finite. Everyone you know is going to die someday. That's just the reality of it. There's there's emotional attachment to that feeling. You can't live in fear of the knowledge that one day someone's going to die. Right? You need to be present with the fact that you have them now. Having that mindset definitely helps me appreciate the life that I have with the people that I love now. I don't live in fear of them being away one day.
1: Welcome to Seeing Death Clearly. I am your host, Jill McLennan, a death doula and end-of-life coach. This is my first episode of my new podcast, where I will be having conversations with guests that will challenge you to think about your beliefs around death, dying, and grief. I've found that the more that you think about your beliefs around these topics, the healthier relationship with death will become, and the more you will live a better life. On today's episode, I'm talking with my husband, Stephen Wilson. This will be the first time I talk to Stephen on the podcast, but not the last time. Part of my goal as a death doula and end-of-life coach is to normalize talking about death and dying with the people that you're closest with. The podcast will cover sensitive topics around death and dying, If it's ever in graphic detail, I will put a trigger warning before the episode starts. In this episode, we briefly talk about death from an overdose and how that impacted my feelings about our children and the reality that they may die before us. If this is a sensitive topic for you, you can skip the episode or go to the chapter markers to skip that section. Welcome to my podcast, and here we go with episode one. I've known Stephen for many years, and we've talked a little bit about death and dying, This conversation I'm actually really excited about because it's going to allow me to get to know more about his background and where his beliefs come from around death and dying. So welcome to my first episode, Stephen. I'm so happy to have you.
0: Thanks for having me. I think we've talked about death and dying more than most married couples have talked about death and dying.
1: Yes, I would say that is probably likely. Stephen and I communicate often and very well. So there's actually probably a lot of things that we talk about more often than most couples. I think that's part of why I really wanted to start this podcast was to encourage people to have these conversations with their loved ones and so, even though I know some of this about you, I would like for you to tell our guests a little bit about your background, where you grew up, um, how old you are, because I do think that our age makes a difference in our beliefs around death and dying. And so, just kind of tell me a little bit about yourself.
0: Sure. So, I am 41 years old. So, I'm an elder millennial. Uh, I grew up in Gainesville, Florida. So, a uh, north central Florida a big college town where the University of Florida is. My parents, moved there when I was like six months old so that my dad could go to college. Um, I was born in St. Petersburg area and my dad ended up getting a job. So my mom is the one that went to college. They were both teenagers or close to being teenagers when they had me.
1: Now, when you were growing up, did your family talk? ever about people that were sick and dying? Did they talk openly after somebody died? Like what was kind of your experience as a child when it came to death and dying?
0: I don't ever remember having any specific conversations around death and dying. I have been very fortunate in my life to not really lose anyone close to me. Uh, Again, because my parents were so young. I think my Mima was like in her mid thirties when she was a grandmother. So she's still Alive and kicking uh, in Florida. I guess I had a lot more experience of death and dying around animals because we always had a lot of pets, hamsters and cats, and fortunately, no dogs. My childhood dog passed away after I had moved away to college. But I feel like my parents and I always were open and honest about everything. So death came up. They both worked at a hospital at one point in Gainesville. There was obviously death and dying there, but my dad was in computers and my mom was in pharmacy. So they weren't directly dealing with dying patients. I remember at one point, I must've been like mid teenager, the hospital system did a, like a disaster preparedness. And so I had, was homeschooling at that point. So I volunteered for it. So I was comfortable as like, I don't know, 14 or 15 year old going into the hospital and pretending to be a the scenario was that there was a train derailment because Amtrak went nearby to Gainesville. And I remember being a patient who had to be intubated and, you know, was at the hospital and dealing with this. And I thought it was kind of fun. It wasn't like a traumatic experience for me. We didn't really deal with death. Trying to think like my grandfather passed away, but my, pa- my mom wasn't really close to him. So I don't remember it really being a thing. But even like when he passed, I don't remember my mom being terribly upset just because she didn't have a very close relationship with him. And then now I haven't had any like cousins or aunts or uncles. I mean, my uncle passed away a couple years ago, and my paternal grandparents passed away a couple years ago, but I was a fully formed adult at that point you no know, we never went to church or anything so we didn't really talk about it from like a religious aspect like what happens after you die and i don't really remember having like conversations about like what happens after you die when i was a kid
1: what did you uh, so. naturally end up believing happened after you die like now no when you were a child especially because again when you were 15 you went through that experience where you were pretending essentially that you were dying at some point, you had to have thought to yourself what would happen after you die. Like, what was your natural thoughts about that?
0: I don't recall, which makes me think that my natural thoughts were just that life is part of death and death is part of life. I was never scared by death. I never had any, like, near-death experiences that like, really brought it to the forefront. And because I had never had anybody, like, real close die or die traumatically or anything like that, there's no, like, specific points where I can remember thinking about deaf, but it never scared me. So I assume I've kind of always had the same th- thoughts about it, that it's just part of the process of being alive.
1: Do you think that now as you've aged, have your thoughts changed? I mean, I guess if you don't really remember too much from when you were younger, your thoughts and your beliefs about it, do you probably naturally progressed into where you're at today, um, which still, you know, we are very lucky. We have not dealt with a lot of death in our close family, even though you were there when my grandmother died, but it was my grandmother. It wasn't your grandmother. And right. so, she was
0: 94, right? 94?
1: Yeah, exactly. She was 94. So right. she lived a really good life. I know your one cousin died of a heroin overdose, and that was something that challenged some of my beliefs around death and dying in the sense that it really brought to home for me that it honestly could happen to anybody, that a younger person could die, including one of our children. That's still something I struggle a little bit with. You know, I'm working through that. I'm working through my fears and my anxieties around something happening to you or to one of the children because that- Sure, right.
0: right. That's like your biggest fear is having your children suffer and die before you. I'm of the mindset that, like, of course they can die <laughs> before me. Like, nothing's guaranteed. You know, me- memento mori, right? Do I take steps to prevent that? Of course, they wear their seatbelts. You know, they do kid stuff, and we try to encourage them to do kid stuff within the boundaries of safety. But, I mean, yeah, they could die any time. There could be a school shooting. They could die in a car accident. Like, hopefully that won't happen. I'm as prepared for that as I think I can be. I'm sure if it happened, I would feel... I don't know. I don't know if I would feel as prepared as I think I am. There's a family... A mom and two twin 14-year-old daughters got killed in a car accident. The dad is he's like, I don't know what to I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, like you can't prepare yourself for that.
1: I, I really don't think you can. We can prepare ourselves for the reality of death right. by talking about it, by thinking about it. By having the conversations with our loved ones, I don't think you can prepare yourself for some of the traumatic deaths that you do hear about. There's like that almost like superstition that people have where if I think about death or if I talk about death, that's going to make it happen. I don't believe that's true. And I'm a little bit more on like the woo spectrum than you are. Um, I believe in some interesting things, but I don't believe that that's true. I do think that by thinking about the fact that you could die at any point, or one of our children could die at any point has made me more appreciative of the time that we do have together. I try to be more present. And it naturally happened. I don't even have to try to be more present. It naturally happened. That now when I am with all of you, I can just observe the situation differently. And I try to just soak it all in because I know that one day, even if we're older, when we die, I know that one day this is not going to be here anymore. And I... I think that that will prepare me better for when you do die, if you die before me. And again, I don't know if you could ever be prepared for a child dying. But I do feel like we would be more prepared than a lot of people, partially because we have thought about it. And we've had the conversations with each other. I also know that, you know, we do our best to keep our children safe to teach them well, so that hopefully they won't get into cars where people have been drinking hopefully they won't be trying drugs that essentially lead them towards a young death
0: right we, we check in with parent new parents when they go over to their house to make sure if they have guns they're safely locked right we had that conversation with one of our daughter's friends recently her parents yes. not her daughter's friend but her parents i ask all the the new parents you know as you know you know is there a gun in the house i'm not opposed to them i grew up in the south i grew up shooting guns so it's like it's not that that i'm opposed to them I just want to make sure they're safely and responsibly stored if so and one of verbena's new friends have a gun in the house because her dad's an ex-police officer and but they stored them safely in a lockbox ammo's separate in a separate lockbox and that's the things you go through to make sure that they're you're not being reckless in your raising of your children, right? You aren't out of the house, but you just try to you know create a little bit of a bubble around
1: them. And I think that shows also the importance of communication because it takes a certain level of comfort to be able to communicate with people about hard things. Some people would feel really uncomfortable asking if somebody had a gun in the house because of the conversation that it might start, but it's important. We can't avoid hard conversations. It's not going to protect us if we avoid hard things. If anything, it just sets us up for really being overwhelmed and really being stressed and upset when the hard things do happen because the
0: alternative to not having that conversation is there could be a loose gun in the house or, you know, like w- what you're talking about with end of life cares, you can have those un- uncomfortable conversations. Now the alternative is someone close to you passes away and you don't know what their wishes are. You don't know where their important passwords are, and that causes a lot of unnecessary struggle and heartache. Yeah, conversations are hard. The alternative is even worse, but it's easier just to push that stuff away because it's not present.
1: I know we have had conversations in the past, and we could actually probably stand to have even more conversation about what we want if something were to ever suddenly happen to us. Because I know that if God forbid, you know, and there's where my little superstition comes out, but if God forbid, if you were to get into an accident and you were at the hospital, I don't want to have to try to remember what we talked about, what your wishes would be. I don't want to have to try to figure it out. I don't want to be in a place where I am so busy answering questions that are thrown at me from doctors and nurses and everybody else. That's why we have it all written down. It's
0: written down, it's in the safe deposit box at the bank and yeah. you have to think about it. It's not a worry you have to keep in the back of your mind.
1: If that is ever something that I'm in, I want to be able to focus my energy on the children and making sure that they're feeling supported through their experience not trying to answer questions, because that is the reality is that eventually you or somebody that loves you is going to have to answer questions to doctors about what your wishes are. It's not like avoiding this conversation makes death go away. Death is still going to happen at some point. And so the more that we can talk about it, the more that we can be prepared for it, the more that we can actually avoid some of these anxieties and stresses and the things that come up often when people are facing the end of life for themselves or for somebody that they love. I don't know. I mean, we we have talked about it. We do have it written down, you know, we do have them in the lockbox. It's hard though because I don't know if I would necessarily remember that if I needed it. Like would I go into panic mode and like completely <laughs> blank out and not remember. And so that's where <laughs> yeah. having, I hope I would, but I don't know. You know, I've thankfully have never been faced with that. So I don't know. Hopefully we won't find out anytime mm-hmm. soon. Hopefully we're both going to live really long lives together. You know, we we've joked in the past, because again, I've known Steven now since I was 21. So you know, we're going on 20 something years now that we've been together. And we've talked about how, you know, hopefully we'll, you know, die basically within a couple hours of each other in our 90s. You know, of course, that would be lovely if that was the case. Is that the reality? Probably not. I could still hope for that because I don't want to live my life without you, but I also have to prepare myself for the fact that that could happen sometime. And so I try to live in both places and appreciate the time that we do have together, whether it's 25, 30 years, or whether it's, you know, 50 or 60 years, I'm going to appreciate all of it because I love you.
0: You're my favorite
1: person. And I'm so happy you were my first guest. <laughs> Do you have anything else that you want to say?
0: What you're talking about just kind of goes back to being present in the moment. I- I'm always trying to be more present now. With that comes an appreciation of the time you have now, because it is finite, right? Your time with people are fi- is finite. Everyone you know is going to die someday. That's just the reality of it. There's There's emotional attachment to that feeling. You can't live in fear of the knowledge that one day someone's going to die, right? You need to be present with the fact that you have them now. Having that mindset definitely helps me appreciate the life that I have with the people that I love now. I don't live in fear of them being away one day. You know, one day, presumably our kids are going to move away and start their own families. And as much as they frustrate me at times right now, I still try to remember to be appreciative because I have that time with them.
1: Yeah. And that's where verbalizing and showing our love towards people is really important. There's a lot of shame in our culture of, you know, saying I love you to somebody, especially if it's, you know, just a friend, if it's not a romantic partner. And I want to try more and more in my life to tell people how much I love and how much I appreciate them because it is in there. I do feel that about our friends and our family. I'm just not always that great at telling people, but that's my own discomfort. That's my own stuff that, you know, I need to work through. I have been trying, especially with you and the children, just, you know, like Berkeley will say to me, I'll be like, I love you, bud. And he'll be like, I know, know. (laughs) (laughs) Like you tell me every day, I'm like, I know Berkeley. And I'm going to tell you every day, multiple times a day until the day I die. And that's true because I want him to know how much I love him and appreciate him because most likely I will die before him one day, you know, they're going to, Yeah, exactly. One day the children are going to have to live life without us. And I don't ever want them to have those, you know, thoughts and feelings that maybe they weren't loved. You know, I do get a little frustrated with them sometimes. But I love them so much. They're the greatest gift that you were ever able to give me is those children. So I want them to know how much I love them and appreciate them. And I want you to know how much I love and I appreciate you. You're my favorite person. I have this amazing Facebook group, which I know you're part of. And in my Facebook group, I ask different questions just around death and dying and living life, the stuff that I love to talk about. And so I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, What season of the year reminds you of death?
0: what season of the year yeah i guess fall because spring is rebirth right and fall is the opposite of that and that's because kind of the cycles of life happen that way where you have the flowers and the buds coming up in the spring you have all this life and vibrancy in the summer and then in the fall it all starts to die off all the annuals die we're you know as you know we are heavy gardeners and so we see that cycle of life right but we also know like When things die in the fall, they go into the compost bin, they get broken down, and then they get spread out into the garden in the spring or the winter, and it feeds the next season of birth and and rejuvenation. And same thing with the fireplace. You know, We take the ashes after these logs have burnt to nothing, spread the ashes out in the garden, and that helps feed the flowers and the plants for the next year. I like the fall. I think the fall's really pretty.
1: It also helps we have our birthdays in the fall.
0: <laughs> well, we're not exactly like birthday celebrating people too much. No, that's true. I think winter's everything's already dead. I think mean, fall is like where it's tangible. You see the leaves dropping. You see the plants dying. You see the fall, the flowers falling off the, the trees, and the plants. So
1: that makes sense. But that's why, because of our love of gardening and outdoors, I wanted to ask you that question about the seasons, having a very large garden, we are able to visibly see the cycle of life every year. I just, and I love it. I love watching things grow. And I also love cleaning it all out at the end of the year and letting everything kind of lay and get ready to start the next season. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. You're very welcome. Um, And if anybody is interested, I do have my Facebook group. It is End of Life Clarity Circle. I would love to have you join me. You can also follow me on Instagram at End of Life Clarity, as well as TikTok. And I look forward to uh, talking to you all soon.